are listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, welcome back to a very special uh, Mile High Report radio podcast here. The uh, yearly enjoyment of having a, a little bit of time to talk to one of our favorite guests. Uh, always always a fun time. Three sides, no doubt. Uh, Trevor Sykema of PFF, which uh, the last time we had you on the show, you had not moved over to PFF, so congratulations on that and your, your big move. You're doing some big things, and so... Uh, welcome to the MHR Radio Podcast. We, we love having you on. Welcome back. Guys, I appreciate you having me on, as always. Uh, yeah, you, this is true. PFF, headquarters in Cincinnati. Still haven't had Skyline Chili. Still have zero desire to have Skyline Chili. But uh, happy to be back on this podcast with you guys, even uh, representing a new place. And hit him up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. One of the best follows on the Twitter machine. If you don't follow him, you're worthy of getting on Twitter just to follow you. So, in <laughs> I appreciate that. In terms of the draft, this might be the easiest answer that you or the easiest question that you get. Grade the Broncos' first round pick of one Russell Wilson. Uh, a plus, right? I mean, like you, you can't you can't really take anything away from that. It was funny. I, I host a, co-host a podcast, the NFL Stock Exchange podcast with Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report, and we're having a blast talking everything NFL draft over there. And we're recapping division drafts right now, and we were talking about the NFC West. We were talking about the Los Angeles Rams. And neither me or Connor loved the Rams draft. I mean, it was fine, but they didn't pick it until the third round. Wasn't a lot of splash players. And so we were like, eh, you know, like it's, a, it's like a B minus kind of a draft. And then we thought to ourselves, we're like, okay, but the reason they weren't picking until the third round is because they traded for Matthew Stafford, which won them a Super Bowl. So technically this draft is an A. So that's kind of the same situation here with the Denver Broncos. I mean, uh, you know, I was just chit-chatting with you guys a little bit before we hit record, but I certainly think that this team was in the mix for Aaron Rodgers. Certainly with hacking on the table, becoming their head coach, and even long before that, I think that last year when the whispers of Aaron Rodgers not being happy and if he forced himself out of Green Bay, what could be a destination, I genuinely believed that the Denver Broncos were one of those front runners, if not the front runner, for his services if he was going to force himself out of Green Bay. I think that for as much as they might be happy with Patrick Sertan and we're picking Patrick Sertan – no matter what, quote-unquote, I think that them believing that they could have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers over the next two years is a big reason why they passed on those two quarterbacks that were still left last year in Justin Fields and Mac Jones when they needed to get new blood in there. They really did. I, I understand the optimism. You could have sold it last year or at least tried to sell it to people. But look, you had a chance to really select a franchise quarterback, two guys that are really talented, and they didn't do that. I believe that was because they had their eyes on acquiring a veteran, specifically Aaron Rodgers, now the time comes up to where Rodgers does not choose the Denver Broncos. He chooses to go back to the Green Bay Packers. And the consolation prize was Russell freaking Wilson. That is unbelievable. Uh, George Payton and the way that he has stepped in right away and not just managed but strengthened what I believe to be already one of the best rosters in the NFL. Um, 
has been a job well done, man. I know it takes certain timing and luck to really bring the right team together, but holy cow, he has made the right decisions to put himself in a position to capitalize when that good timing, when that fortune falls into his lap and he's able to make a choice on improving the roster one way or another, going to get a quarterback like Russell Wilson, things like that. So, you know, incredible job as a general manager to balance, maybe getting Aaron Rodgers, not getting him and not getting fully burned, being able to pick up the phone and immediately continue a deal that he had already probably had started making with Russell Wilson. Now all systems are go once the Rodgers thing wasn't happening. So uh, I, you know, to get back to your question, it's an A. It's an A how they navigated this thing. It's an A as a result. And it's going to absolutely put the Broncos in the conversation to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. That's what we wanted to hear. All right. So I, I will say this, though, just a, a little bit of a – not a left turn necessarily. We're going we're gonna to veer a little bit because you mentioned how great the pivot was by George Payton to go from Aaron Rodgers as our target – pivot directly over to Russell Wilson and make it happen. But you also mentioned a guy at the very beginning before we started recording, we were talking about, you met, you mentioned Shelby Harris. You mentioned sort of the loss of Shelby Harris on the line. You mentioned <clears throat> some of the issues with, you know, you lose draft picks, those kinds of things. You talked about the Rams and their draft picks that worked for them, right? It worked out that the Rams won a Super Bowl, which makes that an a plus move for them. Does it require the Broncos Losing, you, you lose Noah Fant, who was supposed to be this athletic tight end that was going to you know, set the world on fire. You lose Shelby Harris in the trade. You lose some draft picks. You, you obviously, pieces have to move to make those work. But do they have to win a title for this, for this trade to be graded as an A-plus as a first-round draft pick? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I'd, I'd honestly say no because – you know, we sit here and, and we grade these draft classes immediately after the draft is over. And people will appropriately say to us, none of these players have played it down yet. Why are you how are you grading them? And the grade that we give these teams are simply, I think it's a combination of two things. One, if you do a big board, which I personally do, I'm grading where these players were selected against where I had them on my big board. So if I thought the value was great, if I thought it was a reach, so that goes into the equation. But I think what, what also goes into the equation is the process. Are you trading up or are you trading down? What are you giving up for this? Is it a position of need? Is it a position of importance? Are you allocating the right resources to certain spots? Are you taking a risk where you should be taking a risk? Are you being conservative where you should be conservative? All of these things go into it. It is more of a process grade than a results grade. And with that in mind... I still believe that this draft would be an A if you're throwing Russell Wilson into the equation because look at who they lost. They lost Shelby Harris. They lost Drew Locke. They lost Noah Fant. Well, they drafted Greg Dulcich, and then they drafted a Wuzurike as well. So those two guys, and then, of course, you have Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson is an upgrade to the quarterback position. A Wuzurike, you hope, is the big body in the middle who continues to be an anchor that the Denver Broncos are going to want as a zero tech or wherever they're going to place their nose because that's what he did at Iowa State. And then Dulcich is that receiving tight end that you would have lost with no fan. I know they have Albert Okwegunam still, but having those two tight ends was a good, I guess, plus, I'll say, for the offense and the versatility that you give, having those bigger-bodied power slot players, as Nate Tice, the athletic, calls it. 
I think that they did a great job because when you look at what they lost versus what they gained, even from a player personnel wise, essentially it's all a wash at this point, except you're upgrading immensely at quarterback, which is extremely important. You got younger on the interior defensive line, which is a good bet to place. Same thing at receiving tight end when you replace that skill set there. And then you look at the draft picks that they lost. Okay, you going out and getting a Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl caliber quarterback to combine with a roster that is already right there for a winning window, that's an A-plus of a process. So even if they don't win a title, I'm not the kind of person that says, oh, it's either a title or it was all it was all worthless. It's not true. I think that they've gone about it the right way. George Payton's gone about it the right way, and it's still an A to me process-wise. And you mentioned Shelby Harris. They also went out and signed DJ Jones, who right. yeah. is incredible against the run. So that that might be one step up over Shelby Harris. Not that Shelby Harris was horrible against the run, but that was one of his weaknesses. And it was one of the weaknesses of this defense the last few years. And now you get a guy who is a complete game wrecker, at least in, in run defense. And then you mentioned it with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's also younger than Aaron Rodgers. So it, it, the window isn't as small as it would have been had they gotten Aaron Rodgers. In terms of the draft, though, minus Russell Wilson, what what do you make of you, – you mentioned uh, Aruzake in the middle, but what do you make of some of these other picks of Benito, Dolchich, Mathis, and so on? And you yeah. can talk about Dolchich's hair if you want because it's worthy of having that conversation. Well, phenomenal hair. Yeah, I mean, we start there with Greg Dulcich. It's just, you know, it's, it's an absolute marvel to look at. Uh, just it's, it's you know, that alone was worth the third-round pick. I thought it could have been a first-round talent right there if you're just staring into his eyes. And, you know, it's just... Uh, anyways, uh, no, I think that, the, you know, the picks are... The picks were good. The Nick Benito... When the Nick Benito pick happened, I, I said to myself, I was like, oh, okay, like, that's fine. Because I, I wasn't the biggest Nick Benito fan, but... I feel like I was almost forced into not being the biggest Nick Benito fan because I felt like people were talking about him as a fringe first round prospect. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He has a designated role. He is a speed rusher. He is an undersized, fast speed rusher from a two point stance. So you need this guy playing some sort of outside linebacker alignment. That doesn't work for every team, and it doesn't even work for every 3-4 team. I would tell you that Nick Benito needs to go to a place where he can be a DPR, designated pass rusher. Denver is one of those places, and I did not take that into consideration enough when the pick was made because I was like, hey, you know, this is okay, but, you know, they have Bradley Chubb, who they hope is going to be healthy. They they signed Randy Gregory, who they hope is going to play a ton for them. That gives them the flexibility with Nick Benito to get the most out of exactly what Nick Benito is going to do at a high level in the NFL, which is come in certain packages when you're pass rushing to be a speed rusher for you. You can have all three of those guys on the field at the same time, bring an extra, extra pressure to the pocket. But then also linebacker itself is not completely solidified in Denver. At least I don't think it is. And that also allows for Nick Benito to sometimes play on certain situations where he's been effective as a QB spy or as someone who's played in shallow zones, whether it's right over the middle of the field or maybe playing one of the, to the flat with the running back uh, going out into the, to the side towards the line of scrimmage on a passing play. And so like 
he he it's he's not an outside linebacker that plays deep coverage or a ton of coverage snaps where he's retreating and backpedaling and and dropping into a zone but he does play some coverage in front of him like i said with qb spies or plays to the flat and then he is also a really great designated blitzer whether it's up the middle or across um or to the outside of the tackles when he's a speed rusher so all of that to say i didn't I felt like I had to be overly negative, which is a, a bad place to be anyways. I felt like I had to be overly negative about Nick Benito because too many people were just seeing exactly what he did well, and they were like, that's going to win in the NFL. And I was telling them, I was like, but for how many snaps? Like, it's not like you're playing this guy. It's not like every team in the NFL could play this guy all the time to get the most out of him all the time. Denver's one of the few teams that can. So I do. I, I like to pick a, a lot more than I initially did with Nick Benito. Dulcich, we already touched on it. It's it's a replacement for the threat that uh, Noah Fant would have been. I really like Dulcich, Dulcich as a tall, big slot kind of receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be this dominant hand in the dirt kind of blocker tight end. But for where the league is going, getting these bigger bodies in the slot, he's exactly what you need there. Tamari Mathis, man, he is a... <laughs> He is a aggressive, strong outside press coverage corner. Now, he ran a look. People are going to say he ran a four three nine in the forty. I don't think he plays that fast. In fact, one of his negatives I had is it felt like he was susceptible to speed. He tried to use his strength too much, making contact in the contact window out of his stance at the line of scrimmage with wide receivers. And if he wasn't able to rough them up a little bit, if they were able to kind of disengage with the arms and get free and get up the sideline, Mathis was playing catch up a lot and he drew a lot of flags because he didn't have a good, he panicked a little bit when the ball was coming in. He just kind of like flail his arms or almost like tackle the receiver while the ball was coming in. And he'd get a lot of flags because of that. However, that is a lot of stuff that you could teach him to hopefully not panic when the ball is in the air and he does have that kind of mentality to play press man coverage, which is something that you're always seeking with cornerbacks because that's the most aggressive, most beneficial way to play coverage is if you can have guys who know how to play on an island or comfortable playing in man, then you can allocate resources elsewhere, normally towards the line of scrimmage. I mentioned Wuzurike is is really good as a as a giant uh, anchor in the middle, if you will. Um, the Laren Turner yell, I think, gives you some really nice athleticism. What was his grade? His grade was 80.7 in coverage this past season uh, for us at PFF. So I think that he can play on that back end single high role uh, is something that they might want from him. Montreal Washington's more of a special teams pick, I think, there in the fifth round. Luke Wattenberg, I'll say, had a really nice first day of practice at the senior bowl. He was moving. He was quick. Uh, he was making contact early. He was determining the point of attack with a lot of guys uh, at the center position. And then he kind of started to get overpowered a little bit as the week went on. So I think that that's something anchoring strength. I think that's something that he's going to work on. And then of course, I think the Wisconsin guys, there's clearly a connection there with, um, with Matt Henningsen and then uh, Fayon Hicks as well. Those are the, those are the two Wisconsin guys they drafted at the end. So you hope those are rotational guys, practice squads guys. So, all in all, I, I do think that the Broncos stuck to their identity and there's a lot of the things that they needed, especially with not having a first-round pick. I like their haul at the end of the day. So, and then I, I love everything that you said there. I love the fact that you, you brought up the Wisconsin guys and the connection there. The connection is obviously Russell Wilson. Like, Russell Wilson went to Wisconsin. Let's bring in some Wisconsin guys. That sounds like fun. 
So you get done looking at the Broncos draft. Obviously, you've gone through all of the other teams, and, and we talked about this before. Where does that sort of push the Broncos as far as looking into the future? You take your crystal ball out. Uh, you saw what they did in, in you know free agency, obviously the Russell Wilson trade, the, the moves on the draft board. The, content, the, the contenders in the AFC got better, it feels like. Did the Broncos do enough to find themselves in a place where they're contending for the playoffs, they're looking for, uh, looking forward to a deep run, or are they still, uh, to, to you, a, a fringe? And the reason I ask you and not me or Ian is because we're so, into, so far into the force, we can't really see the trees. But from an outsider's perspective, do you see them as a contender moving forward this year, or are they still are they a move away, or or are they on their way this season? No, I mean, I mean, they they should certainly be in the conversation. I I fully believe that uh, the only two teams as of right now, or at least the last time I checked, that had a higher over under win total bet was Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay, NFC team that has Tom Brady, the Green Bay Packers, an NFC team that has Aaron Rodgers. And the Buffalo Bills. And all three of those teams were at 11 and a half as their over-under for the win total. The Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers are all set at 10 and a half. They're all right there. I mean, it, it, it's it's just at this point, it really is go prove it. Because I think the Broncos have done a really nice job setting themselves up with a really even roster. I think a really strong defense. Certainly a lot of passing weapons around Russell Wilson. Um, you've got a nice running game as well that you can lean on. I, I think... Maybe the offensive line can improve a little bit, but again, like they, they're right there in the conversation. I, I think that they are certainly right there to be able to contend with every single team every week, week in and week out. I think they're going to give themselves a chance to win. The toughest part about this is they're in the same division with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the Kansas City Chiefs and have Patrick Mahomes, the half-billion-dollar man. The Chargers, which I would argue no team in the NFL got better Got, I want to say, got more better. That's yeah. Not yeah the, I was gonna say you're gonna go with more that's, better there. That's fine. That's that's, Our that's audience not the, will that's be not fine the, with that. Improved more than <laughs> the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, including the Broncos. I get that they brought in the quarterback, but the Chargers already had the quarterback. They addressed the key parts of their team that were missing, along with what they built the year before. So I would say that they have rounded out their team in such an incredible way with the signing of J.C. Jackson, with going to get Khalil Mack, with opening things up for Derwin James. like Everything that they have been able to do has been pretty incredible uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. So I love the moves that they made there. The Zion Johnson pick for the Chargers was absolutely perfect because it's going to beef up the interior for them. It's going to make things even get even better. It's going to buy more time for Justin Fields to continue to be, or sorry, Justin Herbert, to be a, a vertical passer. And then the Las Vegas Raiders... Look, a lot of people are calling them like easy, the fourth best team in this division. They just acquired Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. Like, it just, it, that's what we're talking about with this division here. It is wild how talented all four teams in this division are now. And normally, when you get a team that is as good as the Denver Broncos, you, you automatically are going to, like on paper, if you looked at this team, you would say, okay, this is without a doubt the, the second or first best team in this division, and they're guaranteed to have at least four wins from probably the lower tier teams. There's not a single guarantee on this schedule from this division. They've got six games where they play each of these teams twice, and there is no guaranteed win for any of these four teams that play each other. 
and that's kind of the crazy part about it is is that this year is kind of you have to go out and prove it. But I do think that to you know to you guys' point, Russell Wilson being younger than Aaron Rodgers means that this is a multi-year winning window thing. It's not just like okay, all the pressures on this year or all the pressures on next year or this thing's about to go to hell. I think that this is a healthy, comfortable three-year winning window for the Denver Broncos as long as George Payton and his cap guys continue to handle things the right way, making little improvements each year off of what they believe if they, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, where they think they need to improve. So I think that it's a it's a three-year winning window. And look, if we're being honest, anybody who says the words like, oh, we're gonna be good for the next decade, never happens. So like we like we need to stop saying that. We need to we need to stop. We like when when even when Trevor Lawrence was drafted, draft Trevor Lawrence, you go, Oh, the Jags, the the the, the Jags will never have to worry about anything for the next 10 years. Nobody's that nobody no no nobody is a no football player is a decade guarantee of something working out. There's there's barely even situations that are like five years of a guarantee. And I'm I'm even talking about like Patrick Mahomes. Look, we, we do not know what the Chiefs are about to be without Tyree Kill. Travis Kelsey is 34. He's about to turn 35. If the Kansas City, if if Travis Kelsey even starts to go down, this team might struggle. It might look like Patrick Mahomes and, and nobody else. Now, he's incredible, so they're always going to be competitive. But this might not be the team that you penciled in for 13, 14 wins every single season. This might be more of a 9-10 win season here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? All I'm saying is, the Broncos have done about as good a job as you could possibly ask to set up a realistic three-year winning window so that even if they don't win the championship this year, you make little improvements the next year. Even if they don't win the championship next year, you make a little improvements next year. And you're hoping that year two is an even better shot than year one was and year three is an even better shot than year two was. That's how good front office modes are uh, are evaluated that's how good things can be and that's why you go out and get russell wilson the way that you did to set up that three-year window to hopefully only get better not that this year is the only year that they can compete but that you're going to get better for every year after that you mentioned the offensive line what are some of the other places on this roster that may be a little bit of a question mark against this great division because i i, I mean you mentioned it with the, the over the the totals for the wins at all the various sports books. And the fact that you have three teams in the same division at 10 and a half is crazy. But where, where do you see some of the, the areas on this roster right now that m could potentially be problem areas? I mean, maybe linebacker, right? I mean, like you got Alex Singleton, you got Josie Jewell. Those aren't the fastest cats in the, in the streets, if you will. You know, it's not like it's not like they're blowing anybody out of the out of the water with their coverage ability. But I think that they're solid, right? Those are solid guys. They've been around for a while. Maybe Nick Benito helps you there. Maybe you're hoping that you're infusing some some speed into there. Where are they playing Browning? Are they keeping him a linebacker? That's the great that question. The question, yeah. <laughs> they, they, there are people up in arms about him moving out to edge. They want to keep him in the middle. No, I I keep him at I keep him at off ball. I'd keep him at off-ball linebacker. I would. I, I liked I liked the reps that he was given at Ohio State because he was young at Ohio State. So I liked what he was doing at a young age at an off-ball linebacker. I'd keep working on that. I really would. Maybe that's not how they have their team built. Maybe they truly just want 
maybe they want all their athletes on the line of scrimmage and then they just want like the cleanup for sure tackling guys in the middle with like Josie Jewel and Alex Singleton. Maybe that's the way that they want it. I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I mentioned offensive line. Linebackers, another area that might be a little bit of a concern just because you look at a division that uh, the Chargers can throw a lot of different things at you. Uh, the Raiders have Darren Waller. The Chiefs have have Travis Kelsey. A lot of teams are getting really used to using tight ends and using players over the middle where, you know, if you just have – if you have co- coverage liability guys over the middle – Sometimes that can really get you burned. Sometimes that can really get you manipulated. So I would say that it was speed coverage ability in the middle might be a little bit uh, something that I would pencil in as a, as a place that could be exploited on this team along with maybe some offensive line concerns. But offensive line is a lot about chemistry, right? If this, if this group, even if you look at this group on paper and you go, eh, nobody's really blowing me away, if they all start to play together really well as a unit, we've seen for teams in the past, like that can, be, that can make all the difference in the world, so... Uh, really just comes down to how they're playing as a unit. And, I, and I'll add, I think it may be an under-the-radar signing, but I, I really like the addition of Billy Turner just because yeah. he knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense, He know, and, and he can be that like sounding board for the rest of the offensive line if they have questions about what Nathaniel Hackett and this new offense is going to look like. He can even be a sounding board for Russell Wilson, not that Russell Wilson will need it because Russell Wilson is probably diving into that playbook for 15 hours a day, but... Yeah, I, I I like the addition of Billy Turner at right. Yeah, tackle. no, I think that that's good as well. I agree. That's 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 a good move for them. Do you watch the Russell Wilson hype videos as much as the rest of us? I'm, I know you're not a Bronco fan, and so I can understand maybe you haven't seen them all. But have you have you noticed like I, football players have sort of come into this social media thing where they do they just do tons and tons and tons of hype videos, and there's hundreds of Russell Wilson hype videos out there. Do you? Do you watch those? Do you ever get a chance? <laughs> what was the uh what what's his phrase now? What does he say? Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. I saw uh I saw a hype video like two weeks ago where it was just like splicing every time he said let's ride. And then it was just like obviously like highlight plays or whatever. But uh that's that's the only one that I've seen is the one where somebody just like spliced every single time he said let's ride during like the opening press conference or the inaugural press conference day for him. But that's the only, that is the only one I've seen. Normally I do. Normally I am a, I am a hype video guy. So if there's a lot more of them that I'm behind, then I need to catch up on those after this podcast. You just go on Bronco, the Broncos YouTube channel. And it's, that's, that's all it is. It's just Russell Wilson hype videos. <laughs> They've taken to. everything Come else on. down. You yeah, got to do it. You yeah. got to do it. After the last six years and then a few years of Drew Locke, you know, at the end of that, it was. Yeah. There's only so many times that you can, that you can post Drew Locke rapping young Jeezy on the bench. You know, like there, there, there's only so many times that you could do that. Or his buzz, you like, did the Buzz Lightyear thing. Remember that? That was kind of cool. Like, I mean, the that Buzz was, Lightyear thing. He did, I scored a touchdown. And so if people say he kind of looks like Buzz Lightyear and, you know, he has the like, little laser thing, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, and so he would be like, nah, 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 nah. like, yeah, that's, that was his. That's funny. Yeah, it was good. Was I mean, the, his if, greatest game in the NFL. If there's and anything all you could downhill say, from there, anything you could say about Drew Locke that's a positive, it's that he knew how to celebrate and and you know at least look like he was going to win. It's and so it didn't happen very often. Yeah. Important. That's important. It was cool that, when that, it did. That, Give him credit there. That's all right. Good. That is important. That's an important part of you, fooling people. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. You know, it's interesting. I will say you talk about a three-year window when you talk about Russell Wilson. When you look at the Denver Broncos right now, and you talk about all the talent that they have, and, and it, they really are. I think I agree with you. They're one of the more talented teams in the NFL. 
with a three-year window like that, and I, I hate to ask you to pull out your crystal ball, and I'm not going to ask for specifics as far as like players and things like that, even though you probably could because you're, you're good at what you do, but I won't put you on the spot like that. Going into next year's draft and, and the following year's draft, knowing that it's a, about a three-year window, recognizing that the NFL is a, is a league where you can fall off the cliff immediately, you can take off out of nowhere, you got teams that go from worst to first all the time, what are the things that the Denver Broncos should be targeting moving forward draft-wise? It could be position. Maybe you see players that they might want to look at. I'm a big fan of middle linebackers. Ian knows I'm always looking for a Roquan Smith to pine over. Uh, I still still feel a little bit slighted by them not drafting him. But I, I And I will add, I, I was one of the few who wanted George Payton to take a risk on N'Kobe Dean. Me the too. fact that he fell as far as he did. Mm-hmm. Just tumbling, but just tumbling. The fact that he's in Philadelphia now just kind of upsets me. It's, yeah, it's a bummer. But what what would you, like, if you're George Payton, put yourself in his shoes, and I think he's done a pretty good job, what would be the thing that you're sort of focused on moving And obviously it's hard to predict because you never know what's right. going to happen. But sure, we trust your understanding of the draft and, and the teams and things like that. And so I'm, I'm going to throw the question at you. Yeah, so look, I – Without knowing a ton about the 2023 class and how it's shaping up, I know obviously a handful of names at the top that everybody knows, but I don't think the Broncos are going to be picking early enough to pick anybody like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson or any of those guys who are going to be picked in the top five. But I think you you just you always every single year have to go into it understanding premium positions, and that is quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, and when you can get your hands on a man coverage corner, I would I would also put them into that category. Those four are the four positions that I think no matter what you want to prioritize. Now, if a if a if a certain player in a class is a true alien kind of difference maker at a different position, you consider those guys. That's what the scouting process is all about. But as a baseline, you are always looking to build those things. I think the best general managers and the ones who stick around the most are the ones who constantly pour top draft capital into those premium positions at the right time when they believe that their team needs the most. Now, sometimes that might not mean that that's the most immediate need on the team right now. Sometimes it might be getting ahead of a need, building something so that when a player might inevitably leave, they already have somebody to bring in. For example, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did this last year when they drafted Joe Tryon Shoyinka from Washington, the pass rusher there. They had Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. Where the hell was Joe Tryon Shoyinka going to play? And guess what? He didn't really play. But now, Jason Pierre-Paul's not on the roster. I don't even think they offered him a new contract. So he was just off the roster. Joe Tryon Shoyinka now already has a full year in the NFL, full year in the playbook, full year as a practice player, full year is in the strength and conditioning program, and is now going to start opposite Shaq Barrett. And so that's a way that you are continuing to keep your strength to strength at a premium position by getting ahead of things. Now, it all kind of depends. Contracts matter, right? Health matters. You know, you're watching Bradley Chubb and you go, okay, certainly we hope that Bradley Chubb's going to be around for a long time, but how healthy is he going to stay? Do we Are we going to have to worry about that a year from now? So that might be into consideration. I mentioned that offensive line's not the best-looking unit on paper. Are you going to prioritize that early next year? What are you going to do in free agency as well? So certain contracts kind of go into it. But ultimately, my answer to that question, without knowing specifics, are you've got to fall back on the positions that 
when you use premium picks on them or premium capital, they give you the highest return on investment. You're hoping that you don't have to do that at quarterback now that you have Russell Wilson. But and you get a lot of GMs would tell you there's never you can never have too many good offensive linemen. You can never have too many good defensive linemen, especially pass protectors and pass rushers specifically from those two groups. And then, of course, you know, I, I think that they have their shutdown number one corner and Patrick Sertan. So I don't know if they're going to have to reach or make sure that that's going to be uh, an area that they really attack. Now, the players around them, the CB2, the CB3s on the team, they might rotate around and they might want to dip into that. But you're definitely not forcing yourself to pick a corner now that they have Sertan and now that they have Russell Wilson. So I think that they're freeing themselves up to over the next couple of years, look for Denver to really prioritize the trenches with their first couple of selections, whenever they happen to be. In terms of this season coming up, we've talked about how unbelievable this division is. How does this division uh, finish in your estimation, at least at this point, in the middle of May, two days before the NFL schedule comes out, who uh, what's uh, what's the strength of schedule? Hold on, I'm looking at it. I need I need to look where the where the <laughs> stats where where are the Broncos in the strength of schedule? Okay, the Chiefs are tied for fifth hardest. It's not ideal. The Chargers are have the tenth hardest. The Raiders have the seventh hardest. Where are the Broncos? Fifteenth. They got the easiest schedule in the division. No, I mean like it's not it's not like they're playing in the twenties or anything. Okay. I think it I think it I love the up. can I just say before you go, I love how the excitement just built there. That felt so wonderful as yes. you got to the Broncos way deeper in there. That was great. You played that perfectly. I just wanted <laughs> to give you credit for that. I, I bet it was like I was like all the listeners were like, Oh crap, does that mean the Broncos are gonna be higher than five? Right. Well well, when I saw the Chiefs at five, I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> like <laughs> this might be a little tough, but the Chiefs obviously play primetime games against really good NFC opponents because of ratings, right? So not only are they playing their own division and they're also playing the I can't remember what division they played this year, but like they all play the same opponents there, but the Chiefs being a primetime team are gonna also have primetime games, so they're gonna play some really good opponents there. Broncos middle of the pack schedule. I will say, I will say, oh, I'm going to fall for it. God, I'm going to fall for it. I think Chargers win the division. I think the Broncos are in second. I think the Chiefs are in third. I think all three teams make the playoffs. Wow. Chargers season in full effect. Chargers season. I hate it. I hate it too because look, you and I were talking before you hit record uh-huh, yeah. and you were super happy because the Chargers had a good off season, which means people are going to pick the Chargers All and the you time. said it correctly, Adam. You were like, they, any, every time anybody picks the Chargers, you know what that means? They're going to suck and they're going to disappoint. And you know what? I'm out here doing it again. So call me a sucker. Call me whatever. No, no. I don't know if it, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's the powder blue jerseys. Maybe it's Ladanian Tomlinson who doesn't even play there anymore. I don't know what the, it is, but the I'm ghost a, of Ladanian Tomlinson <laughs> and his misspelled inspiration tattoo. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's, maybe it's because. Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates won me a bunch of fantasy matchups back in like 2011. I don't know what it is, but I, I'll say the Chargers to win the division. Broncos second, Chiefs third. Wow, could be the ghost of Dan Fouts. Ooh, could. Could. he's still alive though. So is, oh yeah, so is Ladinian Tomlinson. Let's make sure everybody knows we're not not breaking any news here. <laughs> I'm just glad the Raiders. Were, I, I'm just glad that it wasn't Raiders season because know, Trevor may not know this. I we Adam and I are. Pure 
born and raised Raider haters. Like it, it we're we're mm. of the we're of the ilk of the Broncos could be two and fifteen now. I think that's they play seven. That is two plus fifteen is seventeen. Okay. Yes. It could be they could win two games. It just has to be the two games against the Raiders. Look, I, I, I have no reason to hate the Raiders because the Bucks played them in the 2002 Super Bowl. And, and we are forever grateful and, for and, that. And whooped their, whoop their candy ass for that four was, quarters. So. That, was, that was beautiful. It was beautiful. In terms of the rest of the AFC, obviously the Bills, uh, for a betting perspective, everyone is on the Bills. Mm-hmm. They're on Josh Allen. At, at ba- basically all the sports books, the Bills – are going to be the biggest liability for for the sports books and no reason to doubt it. They were overtime coin toss flip away from potentially hosting the AFC championship game. Oh, that brings up a good question. You finish, but that brings up a great question. We have the Bills. You mentioned the Chiefs. Yes, I hated the old overtime rule. But we can talk about <laughs> but we can talk about that after. Go ahead, Ian. <laughs> yeah, we have the Chiefs, which are, are going to be a betting favorite. Uh, the Chargers there's the Bengals who are actually below the Broncos. Mm-hmm. There's the Ravens. Where do you think this conference flips out? Because in in, in the NFC, it's going to be three teams in whatever order it is: Green Bay, Tampa Bay, L.A. Those yeah. are the three teams in the NFC. Yeah. In terms of the AFC, how how do you see it playing out? I mean. I think I think the Bills are I think the Bills are going to make the AFC Championship game. Um, look, I, I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you, and and I do this with look. Obviously, like I I bring up the fact that I'm from Tampa, right? I have Tampa in my in my Twitter handle, but I always try to stay. Was that a Masters ringtone? It was. I'm sorry, my wife is calling me, and that's okay. We're no, gonna leave it in. We're gonna leave it in. No, look, it's the Masters. I'm, I'm I'm about to compliment you. You had a <laughs> you had a Masters ringtone. So, anyways, I. The last three, so the last two seasons, my Super Bowl prediction has been Bucks Bills, Bucks Bills, and this year, it's going to be Bucks Bills again. I, I genuinely think these are the two teams that have the best combination of players, schedule, conference, confidence, momentum, everything to make it to that final game. So I think that the Bills are going to be the AFC Championship game, but whoever plays them in the AFC Championship game, I think it all depends on. Who wins the division? Who gets the number two seed? Who's got the home field up until that point? Who, of course, does not have to play the Bills until they get to the AFC Championship game? And then, of course, like momentum at the end of it. It could be any of, you mentioned it, the Chargers, the Broncos, Kansas City, Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I think the Colts are going to be good. I think they're going to win that division. I don't know how much noise they're going to make once they get in the playoffs, once all those really good teams are in it as well, but... I think that any of those those four teams is going to be the Bills, and then it's going to be Ravens, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs. And I, I know that that's not really a good answer, but it's, it really is going to come down to whoever has the quote-unquote easiest path and whoever might have that home field advantage. So I think it's going to be that team versus the Buffalo Bills. And then look, when you get into that situation, it's probably going to be in Buffalo, so that does not help the odds. But you, anybody can win any game any given Sunday. You know, like I, I, I thought the Cincinnati Bengals had no shot in hell to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. No shot in hell. After that, what was it? First quarter? What are they down? 18 to 3, 17 to 3? It's like this game is over. They ended up beating them. They ended up going to the Super Bowl. So who knows if you get to that point, but 
it'll take it'll take a little bit of luck for the Broncos to get to that point. They'll need a good path for sure. Go ahead, tell us how much you hated the old overtime rule. I'm fine with oh, it. We got, dude, we got a minute, it, bro, dude. It sucked. It sucked so bad. That rule sucked hard. Okay, I don't. I I don't even understand how we got to this point. How does it make any sense at all that you have two teams who played a full regulation? And at the end of that full regulation proved that they were even on the scoreboard. And you want to sit here and tell me that one of those teams in an offensive age, the whole, the rule book, everything has been changed so that offenses can succeed over defenses. So you're going to tell me that a gas defense after four quarters of play, which did their job to hold the team to the same score that you had, you put them out there to start. The overtime period, so barely enough time to catch their breath. They get gassed by what you believe is probably one of the better offenses in the league because it's in the playoffs, right? So now we have one of the better offenses in the league with probably one of the more stacked playmakers, a really good quarterback, a good offensive line, a good run game. The playbook is on their side. The refs are probably on their side because they're leaning more towards offense anyways because that's where the game is going. It's just a natural fact. You get all of that into consideration, and you tell me that it's right that one team gets the ball and the other team, there is a way that they don't even touch it. How is that possible? How is that freaking possible? It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any it. sense. I love it. It's fantastic. It's perfect. It's perfect. It, ended it on a rant because we're way, known for our rants. Way so better now. Perfect. Way better now. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that is the right place to, to leave it. Trevor, we appreciate it. As always, one of the best guests we have on every year. We we should do it more often, but you're so busy now yeah. in Cincinnati avoiding the skyline chili. And uh, I, I don't know what else. It, do, are, is there good barbecue out there? Have you had a chance to find some good barbecue in Cincinnati? Just just a real quick one. So I went, I have not had barbecue in, in Cincinnati yet. I, I went to go to the one barbecue place that everybody talks about that is the best. And I, I have my dumb ass happened to go the day that it was closed because I forgot to look at the schedule. So I haven't even had barbecue. I haven't even had barbecue. But you're right. Avoiding Skyline Chili is a full-time job here in Cincinnati. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is always one of my favorite appearances that they get to come on. So I appreciate you. You invite me. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.